Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hi, and thanks for checking out the podcast. We're going to find out about the new Nordell Nature Playground on the podcast today. Brett McGarry, one of the couch potatoes on the scariest movies of all time. Katie Markham, someone like you, the Adele songbook. She performs at Club Region Event Center this weekend. And Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. we got a real special bunch in here right now. We are going to talk now about the Nordell Nature Playground at Nordell School. And uh, Ray Dubois is here from Ron Paul Garden Center. Good to see you, sir. How nice to see you as well. You are, you are always involved in the good causes. You're a, you're a good man. I've known that for a long time, but you really are. You're always... Uh, how did you get mixed up with these ladies? We also have joining us a couple of parents, Trina McFadden and Julia Hepner. How, how did you get hooked up with the ladies and get involved with the playground? We we got hooked up with them uh, two years ago. Uh, they did a fall planting again. They did more fundraising through hydro grants, and uh, but they got a bunch of trees. We donated yep. a portion of the, the f- pricing for the trees and, yep. and then helped them plant them. And uh, Rhymer Soils actually helped and donated the mulch. And, uh, yeah, we just everybody just kind of banded together, yep. donated a bunch of trees, and then uh, the community planted them, and it worked out great. And then they had no idea that that was – Planting the seed, ha ha, <laughs> and yes. then uh, the next thing you know, they're like, "Hey, by the way, we have this other idea," and I'm and I'm like, "Oh, sure, we'd be interested." And then yeah. the next thing you knew, here we are at CGOB after it all ended, and these two ladies yeah. and one who isn't here, Monica Giesbrick from yes. HTFC, she's awesome. Uh huh. And, uh, and they, she sort of designed this whole thing, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they put it all together, and I couldn't believe it. Couldn't, what a wild thing to be part of. Ray has been telling me uh, now for a few months, you would not believe these ladies and what they're doing. So, Trini, congratulations, because this has been a real community effort. And I love this when parents say, we're going to do this. And, you, uh, I mean, no money came from the school here, right? We did get some money from the school division, but it's mostly been uh, grants and fundraisers, community fundraisers and donors. A couple hundred grand. Yeah, we raised $160,000 and then over $100,000 of in-kind donations, which is pretty incredible in just a couple of years. No kidding. Yeah. And now, Julia, it looks fantastic, right? It's beautiful. And to see the kids playing there is is just so heartwarming for us. And, and uh, to see a dream come true, really, like... When we started all of this, we didn't really know that it would come to fruition and it would be um, as beautiful and uh, and how the community is utilizing it is it's just, I, I don't even have words to describe it. So, Ray, when they came to you initially and said, here's what we want to do, yeah. did you have doubts in your mind that they were going to get this done, raise that kind of money and make this what it is today? They kind of had all their ducks in a row, duh, look, like based on what they do, yeah. And um, so I looked at it. <laughs> And we were going through a management change on our end and, and there, that would be specific to their project. So yeah. I took it on and it would have been certainly outside of my scope. So I learned a lot, but I didn't really know what I was getting into until it was too late. Yeah. So, But it was great. It's been great. And now Ray was telling me, Trina, the, the benefits go beyond having this uh, wonderful Nordell Nature Playground. Ray was telling me there is even research and science shows that kids learn better. They do better in school when they have a facility like this. 
Absolutely. There's this thing called uh, nature deficit disorder that there's been some talk about and that kids who are not in touch with nature start to have behavioral problems. Mm -hmm. And when kids are outside, they think better. They have the ability to concentrate more. So it's just uh, a benefit that goes all the way through their education. Yeah. Julia, what exactly is in the playground? Maybe get into some of the specifics because this is cool. Sure. Yeah, we uh, we actually poured a concrete climbing wall. Um, we have a couple of canoes, which, of course, there was some drama surrounding. Yes, right. <laughs> red canoe. I, I I, Ray had been telling me about you guys, and I was sort of following along a little bit. And then I heard the canoe story on the news, and I thought, I'll bet you that's the canoe. That is. Yeah, that's yes. crazy. So they are now uh, securely anchored to the ground. <laughs> Good. With many I holes. A, I have a lot of holes in them, so they're not even desirable to take anymore. Uh, but the kids love those. There was some kids just reading in them the other day, which is really cool. Uh, we've replaced all of the pea gravel, which is an inaccessible product to anybody with a uh, disability, uh, with uh, safety surface mulch. So that also makes it an accessible playground. Uh, we also put in some really neat uh, wood cribbing and boulder cribbing. So that also becomes a play feature. Lots mm. of places to perch, yeah. uh, some lines, limestone block seating so that there's a lot of places for classrooms to come out and, and congregate, uh, lots of kids. We see a lot of parents at the end of the day sitting around and just kind of enjoying the space as well. What a wonderful story. This is great. So, Trina, if there are parents out there now saying, hey, maybe we should look at doing something like this at our school or in our community or, or whatever, what would be your advice? Get your ducks in a row, as Ray said. <laughs> Absolutely. Surround yourself with experts. In our case, it was Monica Giesbrecht at HTFC and Ray at Ron Paul. Um, it's going to be a lot of work, but it's really rewarding to know yeah. that a couple of people, uh, you see something that there's a need in your community and you work really, really hard and you make it happen. And it's a legacy that's left for generations now yeah. with 92 trees and all sorts of wonderful things that we've Isn't that great, eh? Kids years and years from now will be enjoying your hard work now and, and everything that everybody's done. The whole And this is uh, also, Julia, we should mention, this just isn't about the kids in the school and their moms mm -hmm. and dads. This is about the community, right? It is. Uh, the school actually is quite unique as it, it sits in the center of the community. It's not fenced, so a lot of people come and use the space just for walking their dogs, uh, spending the evenings there. And so we really wanted to create a hub for the community. And uh, it was really interesting. We walked out there just a couple of days ago. We had a, a parents' association meeting. We just walked outside just to kind of go and see the space. And it's, it's you know, 7 o'clock at night. And there's kids and parents and the community. It was yeah. actual community happening right mm. there. Um, it was something that I wish Ray could have seen because, you know, all of his hard work and didn't get to kind of see all the kids right in right in there playing. But it was it was really great to see. It's mm -hmm. amazing. And yeah. I think we really succeeded at creating this community feel in this yeah. playground. You know what? I'll just take a second and then I'll let you guys say a final word, okay, uh, Trina and Julia. But uh, I met Ray. Ray is always doing something good. Right, he's mm -hmm. always calling me. Hal, I I need a bunch of poinsettias delivered to you know people that are having a rough Christmas, and and I'm always happy to help Ray. He is really uh, when it comes to helping the community that he does business in, he is an awesome guy, isn't he? 
Oh we, we've said it from the beginning that Ray has <laughs> yeah. been... No, you are, man. And you, des- and you deserve yeah. that recognition you really because deserve you it. do. Yeah. He's been yes. a champion of this project, and at no point has he ever let us down. Yes. Like, we have nothing but the best and most kind words to say about Ray. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he told me about the story because this is wonderful for your community and your school. So, uh, Trina, Julia, and Ray, thank you guys. I really, my parole officer is listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really appreciate it. And I hope this, my hope from this is to tell a great story, but my hope is it inspires other parents Mm -hmm. in other communities to do stuff like this. Maybe not on this scale, right? But instead of, you know, complaining and saying, why don't we have this? Just do it, right? Or at least try and and get the ball rolling. Yeah. All right, joining us now, one of the Couch Potatoes, Mr. Brett McGarry. Hey, Hal. How's the new show going? How's uh, the addition of Loren to the start? Well, I think Bob Irving put it best when he said she keeps us two knuckleheads in line. (laughs) I heard that. Um, No, it's been great, man. Uh, Loren is, uh, she was brought in because she is a renowned journalist with worldwide experience and uh, she showed it, it in our interview with the prime minister you know yeah. i had a couple of listeners reach out and say man lorenzo a pit bull. Yeah. So, but uh, you've kept the fun and that, as you know, with me, that's near and dear to my heart and you've kept the fun and the show's great. I listen every morning. So big plug for the start, Mackling, exactly. McGarry and McNabb six to 10 right here on CJOB. Now your other couch potato friend, Jeff Braun yeah. does not like scary movies. Nope. And I know you do. I do like scary movies. And there is a new list out, the 30 scariest movies of all time. Okay. Should I just run down the list? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. No particular order, by the way. Hereditary, which okay. I watched last night. Oh. Ooh. The Exorcist, The Witch, The Babadook, Paranormal Activity, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, The Visit, The Ring, It Follows, 28 Days Later, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, The Shining, Hellraiser, Halloween, The Silence of the Lambs, Black Swan, The Blair Witch Project, Candyman, Rosemary's Baby, that's a classic, Jaws, Poltergeist, Carrie, let the right one in. Seven children of the corn. Nineteen eighty-four. A razorhead get out. Pet cemetery. Hush and a quiet place. Your initial thoughts, Brett McGarry. This is a pretty solid list, but the the big standout that is missing for me is The Conjuring. Both The Conjuring one and two. Yes. Were excellent movies, and they are both really scary. That's true. And uh, so the fact that neither of them are on this list, and I'm not uh, even sure surprising. who did this list. It just kind of showed up on the internet. I'll have to do a bit of research and see if I can find out where the list came from. But uh, yeah, I I would agree there are some missing. Uh, any on that list that don't belong, in your opinion? Um, my my first gut reaction is not really. I think this is a really solid list. I it will is. admit there are a couple of movies I've not heard of: Eraserhead and Hush. I'm sure if I were to look, if I looked them up, I'll go, oh yeah, it'll yeah. be those kind of movies. I think Hush is on a Netflix right now because I watched that a while ago. It's it's more of a thriller than it is a horror movie. I think. Uh, and what was the other one you mentioned? Eraserhead. That's an old one. Okay. So I've, I've, uh, years ago I saw it. I, I can't, uh, I can't remember a whole bunch of details, but, uh, I don't remember if it was that scary or not. I still think if you were to, and this is in no particular order, Yeah. but I think if you were to put them in order, as much as I enjoyed Hereditary last night, yeah. pretty slow for the first two thirds and then crazy in the last third of the I'd movie. I'd agree with that. Um, it was good. And I like that sort of. 
supernatural stuff, right? That's my favorite kind of horror movie as opposed to, say, Halloween, which is more like a, a slasher flick. Yep. But I still think if you were to put those in order... I would put The Exorcist at the top of that list. Yeah, it's hard not to go with The Exorcist. It was such a landmark film. Mm. And it's still like, you see the exorcism of Emily Rose on this list. It's one of many films that have tried Mm. to do the demon possession story, but none of them can come close to The Exorcist because it was so innovative. And it was the fact that they had this child on screen Mm -hmm. saying all of these horrible things and doing all these horrible things and having bad things happen to her. It was tough to stomach at the time, and it's still tough to stomach when you watch that movie. I mean, there were reports of people back in the day when when The Exorcist was in theaters of people passing out, people having heart attacks, and you're right, it does hold up to today, I think. Yeah, and I don't, in terms of actual scares, probably not the scariest movie ever, but in terms of just being a good horror film, yeah, it's still an all-time classic. I will never get tired of watching that film. I never saw the second one, The Exorcist 2, I think it was called The Heretic, partly because it's sort of an unofficial, unauthorized sequel. I did like The Exorcist 3, and uh, I also enjoyed the the TV series Fox had a couple for the last two years, but it got canceled. I looked at this list and I went, wow, there aren't really any sequels on here. You know, there are no franchises. Like you mentioned the Conjuring movies, and yep. those are great. Yep. And I want to get your thoughts on The Nun, because I know you saw that, and that's sort of an offshoot uh, from the Conjuring movies, correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, but no real sequels in here, so I'm glad you mentioned the Conjuring movies. Yeah, because you've got a movie like Paranormal Activity, which right. had five or six movies. Yeah. You've got uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's been all kinds of those. 28 mm-hmm. Days Later yep. had a sequel. The right. Ring had... like. God, half of these movies had sequels. Yeah, and no sequels on that list. Yeah, because usually, especially when it comes to scary movies, the the original is almost always better. True. Um, The Conjuring 2, I would have to watch the two of them again Mm -hmm. to decide which of the two I like better. But but they're good. uh, Yeah, Yeah, they are good. And with Halloween, apparently this latest one that's coming out next month, they're saying it's the best one since the original. The original, Not better than the original, but the best one since the original. Well, and Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be in it again, which is kind of cool, and that's why it's getting a lot of buzz. Before I let you go, uh, The Nun, worth seeing in theaters, or can I wait till it's uh, a renter? I enjoyed it. But more from a, it was a fun kind of scary movie, uh, which disappointed me because the nun in the the character in the Conjuring yeah, two, yeah, it was scary. Oh my god, it still yeah. it gave me nightmares, and it, that's okay. I like scary movies, yeah. but this it just had so many boo kind mm-hmm. of gotcha scares, yeah. and it by the end it was bordering on nonsense, too much. Eh? Yeah, it was just it was almost it was kind of confusing and yeah. just silly. But in terms of a, like just a fun scary movie, mm-hmm. I would say if you're really into scary movies for the and you enjoy the thrill, mm-hmm. then yes, absolutely go see it in a the theater cuz watching scary movies in a the theater is fun. It is. When you get when you hear other people jumping and yeah. screaming and then I yeah. that makes me giggle. Uh, I I'd, I'd rather watch a scary movie mm-hmm. in a the theater than Home Alone actually yeah. cuz I'm a little baby when I'm watching a scary movie alone. I don't want, I have to turn yeah. the lights on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say go out of your way to see it if you're not like okay. a giant fan. Good to know. Yeah. Um, Brett McGeary, 
still has time for little old me here oh. on the afternoon show on CJOB. Big uh, morning star now. But you're, and you're going to continue to be one of the – I mean, you will always be one of the couch potatoes, right? I mean, this show of yours is across the country now, you guys. Yeah, we just got picked up in Vancouver, actually. Uh, Toronto. Our... Toronto. we got to work on Toronto. They're the only one left. They're They've the been only resisting. Ones, eh? We finally got Vancouver on board, and Toronto's the last uh, stop in the Chorus Radio Network to – for us to get on, but yeah, it's Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Kamloops is in, as well as Hamilton and London. Good for so. you guys. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, people can get the podcast before they can hear it here on CJOB, as you know, and Jackie will often say to me, uh, toward the end of the week, is it up yet? <laughs> because the podcast is required listening in our house. It's a great show and you guys do a great job with it. So well, thanks, man. congratulations on all the success, Brett McGarry. All right. So the question is then for all of you out there, 204-780-6868 or hal at cgob.com. What do you think of this list? What's missing? Well, which one's on that list maybe shouldn't be there? And what is your favorite scariest movie? Somewhere between science and superstition. There is another world. The world of darkness. Man, even just listening to that, it's scary as hell as far as I'm concerned. That is, of course, The Exorcist. That would be my vote. If we were to put these in order, The Exorcist would be the top of the list. Uh, what about you, Connor Stanish, producing the show today? Would you put one at the top of the list over the others? There was one that really, really got my attention as a kid. It mm. was The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yes. That one was scary. Yeah, that was kind of yucky and the, creepy too, mm-hmm. right? There was, yeah. a, there was a little bit of everything. The mm. jump scares, the yeah. nastiness, the, yeah. 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 So that, as, I, as I said to Brett, I'm, I'm more into the supernatural stuff, which is why I really did enjoy Hereditary mm. last night. Would you like to hear a clip from Hereditary? Sure. Take a listen. Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. She isn't gone. Hereditary. You can rent that at home now. Uh, getting some suggestions already. Somebody said seven. Yes, seven is actually on that list of the 30 scariest movies of all time. And then this one, I'm going to have to check for this one on Netflix. Somebody said on Netflix, it's called The Ritual. Awesome movie, The Ritual on Netflix. That is Adele, right? No, it's not. That is Katie Markham. And Katie Markham joins us on the phone. Hi, Katie. Hi. Wow, you are a great singer. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) Fantastic. How did this happen? You're coming to Winnipeg. We'll give details in a second here. Uh, How are you, uh, how did you manage to end up doing this? (laughs) Um, I've been a singer for quite a while, and uh, I was performing just general general gigs and somebody said you actually sound a little bit like Adele and I thought nothing of it and then a lot of other people commented that I'd sound sound like her and look like her a little bit so I I decided just to you know do a showcase and it sort of went from there really 
So I've been performing Adele for the last six years. And um, the show that we're performing over here, um, we've been performing for the last two years um, as someone like you, the Adele Songbook. So, yeah, so by accident, really. (laughs) Wow. Sunday at Club Regent Event Center. And uh, listen, I was doing a bit of research online. Man, the reviews of your show, apparently it is incredible. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) I understand you got to sing with Adele, the real Adele. Yes, I definitely did. Tell Um, me that story. It was a little bit of a shock. (laughs) Um, We were invited over to London um, by the BBC over over in the UK, and they basically said it was a pilot show, so it might nothing nothing might happen from it. You know, it's just it's just a celebration of the artist that you portray, which obviously is Adele for myself, and that you know we'll do a a couple of interviews. um, You will perform "Make You Feel My Love," the Bob Dylan cover that she performed in her first album. And and then we'll see where it goes from there. So, you know, thinking nothing of it, we went and performed. And I was the first one out, so I performed first. And I sat down in the auditorium and watched everybody else come out and perform the same song. And then next minute, this lady called Jenny, who I'd not seen at all, um, came out last and started singing. And then she forgot her words. And then all of a sudden it clicked and I thought, oh, my God, I think that's Adele. And it actually it turned out to be Adele herself. So I was a little bit surprised because obviously I'd not seen anybody backstage. Right. Because I was out first because I was a little little bit suspicious because um, I'd actually performed on The X Factor a couple of years before that in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously editing and everything, you, you're a little bit wary. But, I mean, I had absolutely no idea until she walked on stage and I thought, Oh, um, I think that might be Adele. And then obviously when she started singing, that was that was me. Because, I mean, I, I study Adele. I've, I've watched Adele. I'm a huge fan of Adele myself. So, you know, every, every arm movement and every, you know, every little trill in the voice. Yeah. I, 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 I know. I knew it was Adele straight away. But Do, it, what, what a whirlwind day. <laughs> no kidding. Do you, what's the, I want to use the proper term here. Are you an impersonator, a tribute artist? What do you like to be called? Um, we're more of a concert version of Adele. So I, I present the show as Katie Markham. Mm-hmm. Um, we tell some of the stories behind the songs and we're more of a celebration of Adele and her music. Cool. Um, so it's more of a concert version. We, in, in our full show, we do have like an acoustic section mm. um, where obviously we show the musicians off and, and what they can do. And then we have all the big hits from obviously the three albums. Yeah. And then songs that you might not tend to hear as much as the, the most popular songs like Take It All and Send My Love and, and, you know, all them sort of things. So, yeah, so a bit of everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, I was told to ask you about Adele's Wembley show. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was very lucky to be able to get some tickets for Wembley Stadium um, on her last part of the tour. Now, in the UK, she she uh, actually wasn't very well, and she cancelled the last two dates. But I was there the day before she cancelled, and we were in the Golden Circle, and I had a big poster. <laughs> my, my partner did this big poster for me saying, don't you remember yeah. when we met on the BBC? 
And she actually spotted me in the audience. Out of 100,000 people, she managed to find me. And, um, yeah, gave gave the show a massive shout-out, told everybody in the audience that we were doing a, a huge show and selling out venues. And, yeah, so it's it, that was a bit of a, a bit of a shock that she knew she knew who I was. No kidding. But obviously that she was following what we were doing. So, yeah, we're very honoured to to have Adele's backing, pretty much. Yeah. For the for the show, yeah. And then was she also part of one of your shows? Um, no, no, it, it just it's just the BBC show. Okay, and, I think I'm getting my story. I'm getting I mean, my stories love, confused. Yeah. To be part of my no show. kidding. Yeah, but that's pretty <laughs> that cool amazing. that she gave you a shout out and said how great you are and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's very overwhelming to to think that she knows you know she's been following what we're doing mm-hmm. and that she knows you know who I am because I mean at the end of the day you know she's a, she's a real person she's got her own life and you know for for her to be you know, as interested as she is to to be able to follow what we're doing and, you know, and supporting us, which, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, she's obviously an amazing singer as you are, but what I like Adele about Adele the most is that she seems just like a real person, you know, like there's no celebrity, there's no, I'm special. She's just a blast. Every time I see her. her. Yeah. Yeah, she was yeah, she was very down to earth when we met her. She she take she took time out to speak to us after we'd performed and you know after the reveal of of it being Adele mm. and she, she you know she spoke to us and then she came back after because obviously she had the prosthetic nose and and chin on and everything so she had that taken off and then she made an, another effort to come back out and speak to us before she left. Uh-huh. So yeah, she was really down to earth and made us all feel really welcome. Carolyn Klassen is here from Conexus Counseling. Carolyn, good to see you again. Great to see you. I'm glad that you want to talk about the uh, tribute uh, in Humboldt last night um, because I've still got one more clip I want to play from one of the parents. I'll do that later on. I'll do that after three. Scott Thomas, uh, one of the parents uh, that spoke last night, and I know you wrote something on Facebook. Uh, Mm -hmm. What did you want to say? I I can't imagine... um, Listen, it's it's difficult to lose somebody, but I can't imagine the pain that a parent feels when they lose a child. Absolutely. Um, when you ask anybody about their worst nightmare or the worst possible thing that can happen, it would be to lose one of your children, right? Mm-hmm. There is – it's painful losing a parent, but that's sort of the natural order of things is to know. Yeah. But you know, what you is, know at some point that's going to happen. But we just aren't supposed to have to bury our children, right? Yeah. And so – um, not only was Humboldt really affected by it, but so many across the country and across the world were right. affected by it too. Mm-hmm. And so what I loved was the fact that um, so often in grief, it's very vulnerable to to grieve um, and it's so painful to grieve that often people kind of close in and they shell off and they kind of don't want other people to see their ugly cry and they don't, they, it's really hard to share grief. And yet when you are invited in to somebody's grief and are allowed to grieve with them, to grieve for them, to all, grieve alongside them, there's something pretty powerful about that. And mm-hmm. it it changes the way um, it changes the way we are allowed to be as well, right? Yeah. And um, Humboldt took the very brave step of saying, we're going to let this be on TV and we're going to share this moment with others. We're going to let people in because other people were also affected by this. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to go in this together. We're not going to hide ourselves off and do this privately. Um, and I think it took a lot of courage to do that. But I also think it was really moving and very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it just is a really, I think a really, I don't know that there's such a thing as healthy grief because 
that implies there's unhealthy grief and people are just trying to make it through the best they can. Mm. But I think they've given us a really good model of how you let yourselves feel the sadness. You don't try to talk yourself out of it. You don't minimize the pain. You don't pretend it's all okay. It is not okay over there. Yeah. And yesterday was an opportunity to say that, but even though it's not okay, they're still going back to regular routine and regular structure because that's one of the ways we get through grief is to go back to what we know. Mm-hmm. And hockey is what Humboldt knows. Yeah. But they didn't play that game like it ne- spring never happened. They spent time at the beginning of the game acknowledging and honoring the the uh you know the accident victims and had parents contribute like that's really powerful to have a parent being willing to contribute to the opening ceremonies and to be able to speak. Yeah. I, I, think, I and I just oh, sorry yeah, I thought you were yeah. done. I like what I liked about it is that, that it was all around a hockey game. They got right back at it, right? Yes, you know, which I think was really important too. Yes, that and that's that's really there's this sort of the both and we're not going to be we're not going to pretend we're not sad, but we're also not going to be only sad. We're going mm. to acknowledge that hockey has joy and they're going to play hard and they're going to give it their all yeah. and we're going to celebrate that we can still play hockey together even though we're sad. And so there's this both and. They didn't have to choose to ignore it or to cancel the game. Yeah. They could have the game and be sad and then also play hard and enjoy the evening for what it was. Yeah. And now it will be interesting because the Broncos will take that road to mm-hmm. Nippon to play there tonight. And you can only imagine what that's going to be like, passing that spot. Absolutely. Um, and if you think people aren't aware of that as it's approaching, right, they are absolutely going to be aware of it. And yet that's a part of resuming life mm-hmm. with the whole in the life is to say, how are we going to do hard things yeah. and how are we going to feel the, those these feelings and get through them and get to the other side because that is a part of healing. Mm-hmm. Not to pretend it didn't happen, but to move on in light of the fact that it has happened and life goes on. Yeah, You kind of referred to this already, but I'll ask you the question that was in my mind before you said it. Is there a right and a wrong way to grieve? I really, you know, people say, well, everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly true. If you were to give advice about grieving, if somebody can try and get there and do it the way right. that they should or that might be most helpful for them, what is that way? Is there a right way? Well, I think uh, grieving, like I said before, is vulnerable. And I think we are wired for connection, and that is just as true when we're grieving. And so often when people are grieving, they want to be by themselves and they hide off, and there's this natural tendency to pull in when you're grieving. And I think it's helpful for people to see and say, how can I allow other people into my life? How can I allow other people to care for me? How can I let them in? Because as hard as it is, it's even harder to shut people out. Um, And everybody's a little bit different. And I think another part of grieving is to say, what do I need right now? Right? When a friend comes and says, I want to take you out for coffee, Mm -hmm. uh, probably you want to say no. Um, And maybe it is right sometimes to say no because you really do need to stay home. Mm -hmm. But maybe sometimes it's important to let your friend talk you into it. And so it's about being honest with yourself rather than just going to some of the default strategies you do when you're really stressful. And a lot of us, when we are sad, we don't want to be with others. And yet when we have been with others when we're sad, it's a little less worse. Mm -hmm. You've written about this on Facebook, so we want people to check that out, Conexus Counseling Facebook page. You've also written something else uh, in blog form, Mm -hmm. therapists don't give you advice. That's right. And uh, that's something important to remember because it's not about going and getting the answers, right? Here's what's wrong with me. What do I do? It's about that therapist helping you find the answers, right? Right. 
so often by the time people make it into a therapist's office, they're desperate. They've been mulling this over in their brain. They've been losing sleep. They have a pit in the bottom of their stomach. Mm. You know, they, they feel like they, can't, they have to just explode with their story. So sometimes people will come in and they'll tell their story at length and then they'll look at me and say, okay, so now you give me advice. Now what? Tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's at that moment, if I had a magic wand, I would use it, right? Sure. Like this person has been struggling in general and then they struggle to come in the door and they struggle to tell their story to somebody they don't know very well. All of it requires huge courage and you see the suffering. And as a human being, I just want to say, poof, it make it all better. Yeah. However, I don't have a magic wand. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things when people say in various forms, you know, they want to ask for advice. What I'll say is something like, if it was as easy as telling you what to do, I would. But here's the thing. You're smart and you live in this situation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've thought about this a lot already. And I will not insult you by suggesting that after listening to you for a half hour, 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. that I can tell you what to do. If you can't figure it out with without knowing and, you know, as you're living and knowing in it, then I couldn't possibly pretend to know. And so there is no easy answer. And because of, if there was, you would have already found it. So there is a harder answer. And what I say is let's, let's talk about this and let's figure it out together. And I think actually that there's an answer inside of you that if we can sort of drill down and we can explore what's really going on, we will get there. Mm -hmm. You're the expert of your story. I'm the expert of the process. So even though I'm not going to give you advice, I'm actually going to give you something much better. And Mm -hmm. that is a process that we can walk through that will get you to what you know actually is the right thing to do. Does therapy always work? No, no. And I'm glad you asked. Um, There's sort of a, a growing awareness amongst our field that, you know, like when you take a pill, um, sometimes that pill can help, but also sometimes that pill can harm. There are side effects or somebody might be allergic to it. And what we're recognizing in therapy is that although we go in and we want to help everybody, sometimes people aren't helped. Sometimes it's because they're not ready or sometimes it's because the therapist might not be skilled in what's going on with that person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's because it's a matter of fit. Uh, But I do think that therapy can help a great many people, probably more than what people might realize. Um, so therapy can be really powerful, but we also have to recognize that sometimes therapy doesn't work. And when it doesn't, we have to name it and figure out what's going on so that we can figure out how best next to help the person. Mm-hmm. I like asking you questions about what you do because I think there is not, not a stigma. It's not, that's not the right word, but there there are unknowns about therapy. People just, they have an idea of what it's going to be, <laughs> and, and often people don't want to go there, right? They go, no, I, I can handle it, or, right. you know, or couples many times, right, where one sure. wants to and the other doesn't want to. When you have somebody come in, how long, uh, I guess it probably varies. That's probably going to be your answer, but answer my <laughs> dumb question anyhow. Uh, how long before you go... Yeah, this just isn't a good fit, to use your word. Well, often I will wait about, I often say, like, let's have a little bit of a midterm after four or five sessions, um, where we're going to say after four or five sessions, we should figure out already by then if it's a good connection. We should be able to say there's been some movement or we've got some momentum going. And if there isn't, are we doing something wrong? Is there something that you and I can fix to make it more effective? Or is this not a fit and we should figure out something else? Is there a piece that we're missing that we have to say, maybe you go to the doctor to talk about if there's something physical going on? Uh, I'm I'm very deliberate about saying no matter what, after four or five sessions, let's have a bit of like a report card and let's figure out what's yeah. working and what's not working. Mm-hmm. And uh, then do you, uh, again, just another question about what you do. 
uh, is it this is how I do it and that's the way it's going to be? Or do you sometimes change and and uh, do things differently than you normally do because that particular person may need that? Things well, to be different. I am who I am and I can't be anything other than that. So there's yeah. probably times people need something that I can't give them. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely, and it's not something I wait at the end of every four sessions. I actually, we do something called feedback enhanced therapy. So that at the end of each session, a person fills out a very short inventory of how well did you and I connect? Did we work on and talk about what we wanted to? Um, how good was the fit today? How overall was the, sh- was the um, session for me? And so I can see just at a glance of, you know, we missed talking about something you wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. What was that about? Or somehow the approach that I had today wasn't the right one. And then they can let me know right away of you talk too much or I need structure. I need somebody to tell me what to do and you're not giving me anything. Like Mm -hmm. I need something. And so I have the ability very quickly on a dime to figure out, okay, so next session we need to work on this. Because you feel that we're not dealing with that and we need to. Or you wanted to bring something up and weren't sure how. Let's talk how we can figure out how to bring that up next session if it was Mm. too hard to do today. And so... The client and I can brainstorm together to figure out how to make next session even more successful. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.